As Melissa indicated, we're continuing our sermon series this, this morning titled The Amazing Possibilities of Prayer. We have a deep fundamental conviction that prayer, as in, intended by God, is to be experienced as vital, as life-changing, and life-giving. We've had three hopes in our times together about prayer. First, that our prayer foundations, what we believe, will actually grow to be biblical and compelling. Secondly, that our prayer practices, this is what we actually do with prayer, will be very simple and effective. And then thirdly, we desire that what we experience, what happens when we pray, will grow to reflect more clearly and powerfully what Jesus actually promised about prayer. Promises like the one we discover in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened. Everyone who who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if you if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Powerful promises by Jesus. We want to experience more of that kind of thing in our life. Now, we've been looking at the model for prayer that Jesus gave his followers when they asked him the question, Lord, teach us to pray. The model is commonly called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in the the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament in chapter 6. If you want to open your Bibles or your Bible app to Matthew 6, We'll be looking at a portion of the Lord's Prayer. Of course, models are uh, something small that speak of something larger and much more powerful. And so this small prayer is meant in minuscule to represent something much more powerful and life-giving that is the experience that we have in prayer. And we said the Lord's Prayer actually consists of six parts. It's It's got five specific petitions and one concluding praise. And it's structured as an accordion. That is, it can expand or contract in its praying as you have time and energy. It can be uh, recited, as we will do in a moment, uh, but intended more specifically by, by Jesus to expand. And each of these prayer partitions, the five specific requests, can be prayed for maybe 30 seconds or a minute or, or five minutes or even 10 minutes or longer as you have time. We've looked so far at the first petition, Our Father in Heaven, May Your Name Be Kept Holy, where we saw Jesus expressing a desire for the prayers of His followers to begin with an acknowledgement of identity, His identity and ours. We saw that as our Father, God is compassionate, He's approachable, He's motivated to act on our behalf uh, because we are His children, His sons and His daughters, beloved by the Father. And we also saw that as our holy king in heaven, he has the power and ability to do what we ask. And we concluded this section by saying that we're called to honor his name by asking that the fivefold blessings revealed in his names in the Old Testament actually be established in our life. Salvation, the spirit, soundness, success, and security. And then last week, we, we looked at the second partition or 
petition in, in the, in the Lord's Prayer regarding the kingdom. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And specifically we asked, uh, we, we saw that Jesus was instructing us to ask for God's kingdom, his rule and his reign, or more specifically, his love and his mercy, his power and his truth, LMPT, love, mercy, power, and truth, to be established in five specific spheres, ourselves, our family, extended family, our church, our spheres of influence, and our leaders. Now, you can check out what we've said in our previous messages just by listening to the podcast available on our website. Uh, it's really easy to do. Uh, org, and you can click on the link right on the very front homepage. You can listen and get caught up to what we've said so far. Now, this morning, we're looking at the third petition in the Lord's Prayer. It has to do with provision. So we've seen identity, the kingdom, and now provision. And we're going to discover this morning that God the Father's desire is for us to pray specifically daily about our material, financial, and physical needs, as well as having bread to share with others. So I thought to uh, continue the tradition, we would uh, we would pray out loud together the Lord's Prayer together this morning, which we'll do right now. Are you ready? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Lord, we thank you for giving us a model prayer uh, that's to guide the, the direction of our thoughts and words and intentions of our heart towards you about the life we're living together. And we thank you, Father, that you allow us to, get, to, to gather together this morning and, and to call you Father, to acknowledge our relationship with you. We pray that, that your kingdom would come in all of the many and varied ways that you know we need. We pray for the full establishment of, of your salvation, your deliverance from sin and its power and penalty in our life, the fullness of your spirit in our in our very soul, the down payment of our full inheritance someday. We thank you for establishing the, the blessing of our sound, healthy mind and body for success and freedom from the curse of the law and the security we have against an uncertain future. Establish these fivefold blessings in our lives and our family, in our church family, Lord, as we attempt to find and follow your will for our lives. Put power on your word to, to our, our lives and, and our kids and vineyard kids today. God, we pray that you'd inspire us to worship, that you'd enrich our relationships as a church family, and you would equip us for ministry and service to a hungry, thirsty world. In your name, amen. Well, the third petition in the Lord's Prayer is, give us today the food we need. You're probably more familiar with the rendering, give us this day our daily bread, or give us today our daily bread. Now, in building a bridge from the world of the Bible into our world today, I think it might actually be helpful to understand what the original audience who heard Jesus say these words actually understood what he meant by saying our daily bread. Now, in some references in the Bible, the word bread is used metaphorically to symbolize all food. 
But in the majority of cases, and in this case in particular, the word bread refers to the staple food of the diet among the Israelites. The bread, as it were, consists of wheat flour. Barley was also used by those that were poor. The flour was mixed with water or milk, and it was then kneaded with the hands in a wooden bowl or kneading trough, as it was frequently called, until it became dough. And then uh, when the kneading was completed, leaven, yeast, or another agent that caused the the dough to rise was mixed in. And occasionally, when time for preparation was short, uh, it was omitted, and unleavened bread was made, particularly uh, in the Feast of the Passover. Now, the leaven mass was allowed to sit for a while while it rose, and then the dough was divided into small round cakes, not unlike the one you see here. This would resemble the, the kind of a loaf of bread that those in the uh, ancient Near East would have, would have eaten regularly on a, on a daily basis. The, the, the bread was baked fresh daily. Each household had a portable oven. It would have been a, a stone or a metal jar. Archaeologists have found them. They usually stood about three feet tall, uh, where it, it was heated with wood or hot stones. Now, it's difficult for us in 21st century America to really relate to the anxiety and concern uh, that daily provision and, and the time that was spent in, in preparing and cooking actually created for the average family. It, it accompanied their everyday life. Today, we're accustomed to supermarkets. You know, maybe you're a Hy-Vee person or a Kroger person, Super Walmart across the road. I mean, heck, now even Target sells food, right? Uh, this week, uh, when when I visited the, the the grocery store, the refrigerated shelves, I didn't count them, but they hold up to over 50,000 items. I, I did count uh, 15 different brands of ketchup and 11 kinds of pickles and peanut butter. This, uh, this week, I thought it was interesting, uh, Tuesday, an article in our Peoria Journal Star featured Peoria's Butternut Bakery. It's been around for about 100 years, evidently, and uh, it, it's a, uh, a bakery on Peoria's south side that, catch this, produces a million pounds of bread and buns every week. There are 29 truck docks that stay regularly busy day and night with deliveries to Chicago, Indianapolis, St. Louis, and Waterloo. So the point is, buying food in general and bread and buns in particular, it's not a problem for us, okay? You know, you go to the store and you have access to produce and fruit from around the world, right there in the produce department at at Hy-Vee or Kroger, shop and save wherever you shop. We purchase many other kinds of food too, don't we? Some canned and some, you know, shot up with preservatives that that can can last forever in your pantry. You know, a hundred years from now, they're going to find containers of food, you know, that haven't changed a bit. You know, more likely we we produce uh, we, we we buy stuff that's that's produced or packaged, and we take it home and store it in our refrigerator for a week or two at a time, or we, we stick it in the freezer 
it, the one, the extra freezer that we have in the basement or the garage, and it can keep for months at a time. But these kinds of possibilities were absolutely foreign to the original hearers of Jesus's prayer. They needed fresh bread to eat every day. The idea of storing bread or meat, you know, uh, for use later in the week or in the month was, was not even in the realm of their thinking. It, it wouldn't have even entered their mind as a possibility. Uh, bread got moldy, meat turned rancid. There was no refrigeration. So the Israelites, like billions of people still today in the two-thirds developing world, they went to the market every day or at least regularly to purchase their food, their fresh fruits, their vegetables. In the Middle East, their olives, their cheeses, their dates, their raisins, their cucumbers, their lentils, their fish, and their wine to drink. Water was often not uh, potable, and so they drank wine. So this was the staple, bread and wine. Well, I've used grape juice because, well, anyway. <laughs> Didn't know all your sensitivities about wine and grape juice, so I chose the lower common denominator. But this was the staple, the bread and the wine. That that was the diet of the, uh, it represented the diet of the of the audience to which Jesus was speaking. And so this is to illustrate that anxiety and concern over daily provision, material provision, was a daily preoccupation for the audience. It's why Jesus talked so often about it and why he encouraged so often his audience to trust God the Father. Now, when Jesus instructed us to pray for our daily bread, he was most certainly alluding to God's miraculous provision for the Israelite nation in their exodus. Now, in their history, the story of the exodus from slavery in Egypt, which was the controlling narrative for the Israelite people, it was one of the, it was one of the most powerful and dramatic moments in, in, their, in their history. And one of the key seminal miracles in the story was God's provision. As he redeemed them from slavery, God led his people for 40 years in the wilderness, and he provided for them by giving them daily food in the manna and quail uh, as they wandered. Supernaturally, God provided for them. It was always just what they needed when they needed it. If they gathered too much, it would rot by the next day. And in preparation for the Sabbath, when they could do no work, he provided a special allotment, and it preserved, but not any too much than what they needed. And the lesson that God was teaching, and to which Jesus was referring in shadow, was that you could depend on God every day for what you needed, especially what you needed to eat. So this expression, our daily bread, points to God's desire to provide for his children. Now, as a good, caring father, Jesus is, is denoting to his followers that God still remains concerned, very concerned, about each of our specific material, financial, physical, daily needs. 
He's drawing on the, the memory of God's supernatural provision uh, for his people, the Israelites, in Exodus and saying God still desires to be that kind of loving, caring, providing father. And so he invites his followers to make specific daily entreaty for their material needs in the third petition. Now, sometimes we're prone to react, well, you know, I don't think I should waste God's time with prayers about my physical needs. It's understandable. We think that he certainly is more preoccupied with concerns of a global nature, war and catastrophe and natural disaster and injustice. Or we even think that we should be praying about more spiritual matters, whatever they might be. But Jesus refutes those notions, doesn't he? When he says, pray specifically for our daily bread. Give us today the food we need. Others of us are prone to think that we should kind of like maybe be praying in vague generalities, kind of let God know a little bit, kind of like we need something down here, but then just kind of trust him for whatever he wants to provide for us in his sovereign purpose, whatever he knows is best. But Jesus says, no, you to pray specifically and to pray daily. And so he he cuts off all of our preconceptions, our distorted, irrational, and unbiblical preconceptions right at the knees with this encouragement in the third petition. Now, praying for our daily bread, in my mind, has two applications. I like in the first to think that Jesus is inviting all of us as his followers to pray specifically for our material, our physical, and our financial needs. And once again, I, I'm going to provide for you this morning five like rails to run on, okay? In the model prayer, here are five areas for us to pray for our daily bread. Uh, these are the tracks that we can hang our prayers upon. Five categories of need. Food, clothing, shelter, health, and provision. Let's unpack those just briefly. First is food. Let's face it, food, good food, especially fresh food, is expensive, isn't it? We know that. And since few of us live on the farm anymore or can grow our own fresh food, then we would say we have to trust God to provide the money for us to purchase it, prepare it, and serve it. But in this general sense, all the food that we consume comes from God because he's given us the money to purchase and prepare it, right? The closer to the farm we actually eat, the more directly it comes from God. I mean, the eggs are come right from the chicken that comes from God, you know, the fruit on the tree, uh, the potatoes from the ground. So the point is, the closer to the farm you eat, the more directly from God it comes. It's to be received with thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul tells us that, which is why we pause without apology in any environment, to bow our heads or to look up, as we've learned, and actually tell God, thank you for that which we are about to eat. A couple of more tips about food. As we pray for food and thank God for food, I suggest that we occasionally ask the Holy Spirit for God the Father's perspective on our current practices about diet and exercise regarding food. Secondly, while purchasing and preparing and serving food certainly occupies a good chunk of our time, although not nearly as much as it did in the day, 
Nevertheless, I think it would be important for us to, to call to remembrance that food should never become our God, an idol. That is, we shouldn't place it at the center of our lives and live life around food. Nor should we ever overindulge. The Bible calls that gluttony. Nor should we allow food to be the medicine we use to treat our pain and dysfunction. Thirdly, I think it's helpful to actually abstain from eating food, that's called fasting, for certain seasons in life so that it doesn't have a grip on us. And you know exactly what I mean. The very first day you decide you're going to go without food and that little saltine cracker or that bag of chips in the closet just screams at you, eat me, eat me. You, you set yourself apart to fast for a day and you know the grip that food has on our life. And so just a tip uh, to regularly practice fasting as a way of telling your body, no, Jesus is in charge. So the first category of need, food. Secondly, clothing. We all need clothes to wear, right? at least in this culture. Uh, now, you don't need to be dressed like a peacock, calling attention to yourself. But on the other hand, there's there's no merit in dressing like Debbie or Danny Dowdy either. You know, we, we're not showing humility by wearing threadbare, plain earth clothes. Let's, let's just go for the radical middle, okay? That's, that's what we want to strive for. God can provide for our clothes, too, in lots and lots of ways. You know, maybe you are the receipt of a gift of clothing. Maybe, you know, the stuff you really like goes on sale at, well, for me, Kohl's, you know, for wherever it is you, you like to shop. Uh, maybe even just in the adjustment of our attitude about what we think we either need or want. God can provide in many, many ways. Food, clothes. Thirdly, let's pray for shelter. Now, God's desire is that each of his children has a decent, safe, secure place to live and raise a family if you have one, a place that protects us from the elements, a, pervas- a, a place that provides a, a stable shelter, uh, a stable environment in which we can raise our children, uh, provides a, a sense of belonging for them, a place to call home. That might be a house. The advantages of home ownership today have been diminished, contrasted to, you know, years in the past in our culture, but could be a home, could be an apartment, could be a condominium, could be a mobile home, uh, could be a dorm room for a season. It might even mean moving back in with your parents, might even mean living in a van down by the river, you know, uh, for whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So moving on now to category four, health. Pray for whatever needs you have regarding health and healing, soundness and restoration in mind and body. Jesus is the great physician, and so we take our needs to him and we trust him. Nothing too large, nothing too small to take to Jesus for healing. We thank God for the advances that he's made in medical science. We thank God for the practitioners in those fields that can partner with Jesus in bringing the, the, the healing of his kingdom to us. But any one of those people in those professions would tell you that at the end of the day, only God can ultimately provide healing and restoration. And so we appeal to him, regardless of what age we might have, for, for his health and his healing, his soundness and restoration to break into our lives and lives of our loved ones. 
And then fifthly, the, the fifth rail to run on is the all the other areas of provision in your life. And, uh, you know, you just have to look at the categories that, that are outstanding in your budget and, and acknowledge that we have a plethora of other needs, don't we? There's transportation. We need vehicles and, and insurance and maintenance and gas for them. Uh, we need, you know, grooming. Get your hair cut. Get your hair colored. That's priority. Uh, cable and phone bills. And you can't do life hardly today without a cell phone. Um, doctor, dentist, chiropractic visits, entertainment and travel, your health club membership, your kids' college education, provision for retirement, caring for your aging parents, getting married someday, or your children getting married someday, uh, getting new appliances when the old ones wear out, you know, replacing your car, repairing the roof on your home. You need health and life insurance in our culture. If you've got uh, re- debt, you'd like to retire, both short and long-term debt. There's tithing to your local church, as well as giving generously to uh, missionaries or perhaps adopting a child through Compassion International or World Vision, being mindful of the needs of, of others outside of our sphere of influence. And then there's things like play money. I mean, not like monopoly play money, but like to to provide for your desires to go on a vacation or, you know, your daily latte from Starbucks, if it were maybe a, a new fishing pole. You know, guys always like to collect new tools. You know, ladies like to collect new shoes. Uh, whatever it is that's like, you know, like on the on the want list, not the need list, you, you put, put those on, on your prayer list. What do you need? Not just what do you want. There's, there's some issue there that's, that's begging for a sermon at another time, discerning the difference between wants and needs. But Jesus says to pray for what you need. Ask God specifically, daily, boldly, without apology, without uh, minimizing the, the sense of like, uh, awkwardness. He just says, go for these needs with the full assurance based on Jesus's promise that God the Father will meet those physical, material, and financial needs. I think it's interesting that Jesus's instruction for this prayer came in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And the largest single extended portion of the Sermon on the Mount has to do with his address of the followers that were listening, their preoccupation with material needs. Jesus said it this way in, in Matthew 6, right after he gave the instruction. So I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink, enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant and harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father uh, feeds them. Aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your worries over material provision add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And yet Solomon in all of his glory wasn't dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God so cares wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. 
Tomorrow will bring enough of its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. I like his uh, his additional comment in the Sermon on the Mount, recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter, where Jesus, in this same uh, sermon, says, Don't be afraid, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure. It brings your Father happiness to give you the kingdom. And those of us who are his followers know that God's got hundreds of ways to answer these prayers, these specific, daily, bold prayers that we ask without apology. You know, um, he can give you a raise. He can give you a bonus. Maybe he just, just gives you a new job. Uh, he can increase your sales or the percent of your commission. Or he can cause your company to distribute uh, earnings in a way that was unexpected. Maybe you'll receive a, a family inheritance. It might be a, 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 some sale of an asset in your family or, or that you own. Maybe it's just an outright gift. Perhaps you discover $3 million worth of baseball cards like uh, Carl Kisner of, of uh, Defiance, Ohio did this week in the, in the attic of his grandfather. $3 million worth of baseball cards. Yeah, that, that'd be a nice way to get God's blessing. Maybe you, maybe you win a contest or a drawing. Um, maybe God just stretches your budget, makes things last longer than they normally would have. Maybe your 40,000 mile tires on the van last for 75,000. Maybe your, your, your washer or your dryer that, you know, normally goes obsolete after about year 15 is still cooking like ours after 32 years, you know. I don't know. Whatever. God's got a lot of different ways. I thought I'd read to you a story that uh, was turned in, if I can find my card, from Steve and Melissa, whom you've already met, Melissa, uh, that she completed on a Connect card. See, we actually do really read these every week. And I'll use your story if you write one, because here's what they said on a praise God. We got a new car, and it has air conditioning. Steve's dad helped us get it. So there's a way God provides. We were wondering what we'd do, uh, and, and with, especially with the heat this summer, and we wondered if we both got jobs that needed cars. Well, we decided not to worry about it, and here we are now. Thank God. And Steve's hours picked up this week. I have temporary work in Champaign, and, and, and if I could go there, I can do that now because we have two cars. Praise God. Now, is God concerned about needs? Absolutely. And he blessed Steve and Melissa in a way that was totally unexpected. So, yeah, thank God. He's got lots and lots of ways to meet our needs. Now, let me just say this before we move on. There is no contradiction, friends, to praying these prayers for our daily bread and working hard or taking overtime at your company when it's offered or maybe even taking a a second or a third part-time job to make ends meet. Not at all. Uh, There's no contradiction between praying these prayers and trusting God and working hard to craft a really tight budget and and tighten the screws down on it the best you can and to prioritize your short, mid, and long-term debt retirement. Or in Dave Ramsey's language, to make a snowball plan, to get out of debt, as it were. Having a savings account for needs in the future. These things don't mean that you're not trusting God. They're just prudent. But you cannot trust them. You have to trust God. The book of Proverbs in chapter 18, verse 11 says, the rich, and 
in many standards, we're all the rich today. The rich think of their wealth as a strong defense. They imagine it to be a high wall of safety. There's actually some imprudence in thinking that what you've accomplished through your accumulation or the savings account you've got built up or the budget that you've got screwed down tight can actually like be your savior. Actually, the only savior is Jesus. You've got to trust God. Ultimately, that's what Jesus is saying. So I said that our daily brain for our daily bread has two applications. We look first at Jesus's uh, admonition to pray for our material financial and physical needs, specifically daily, boldly, to make entreaty every day. The second uh, is to have daily bread to minister to others. An actual better translation of this verse in the original Greek would be, give us today the bread of tomorrow. Now, this is the only time the construction of these words is used in the entire Greek New Testament. Scholars have not known what to make of it. And so it usually just gets translated, give us today our daily bread. But more literally, the original audience would have heard Jesus to say, give us today the bread that belongs to tomorrow, which would have like been a mind twister because you didn't have bread tomorrow. You made bread today. However, viewed through the lens of the kingdom of God, where the rule and the reign of the future age is breaking into the present evil world, it makes total sense. We could safely conclude that Jesus is encouraging us to pray for God's bread from tomorrow to break into our world today. We need some of the abundance of the future, but we need it when? Today. And so he's praying that he's telling us to pray that the kingdom that's that's out there that we're going to receive in full someday come crashing into the present where we need it today. We need the reality of the kingdom. It's a very unique way of painting the picture. And I think in a way that metaphorically Jesus is teaching us to be mindful of meeting the material, physical, financial, relational needs of others by giving them the bread of God's kingdom. Through our resources, or through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're offering to others the bread of God's kingdom. Now, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 17 to 20, uh, this powerful promise where he, he said, My Father's always working, and so am I. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him everything He's doing. So we can pray in this section of the Lord's Prayer. We say, Father, thank You that You're always working. We thank You that of your of our own initiative, we can't do anything. Thank You, Father, that, that we can do what we see the Spirit doing. And we thank You, Father, that it, it gives You great pleasure to reveal to us what it is you're doing. And so in this section of the prayer, we can ask the Holy Spirit every day to give us eyes to see and ears to hear what he's doing and how we can cooperate with it. We ask the Holy Spirit for a fresh infilling of his love and his mercy and his truth and his power. And we ask the Holy Spirit to show us specifically that day if there's anything he wants us to do regarding ministry to others. It may be a situation at work. It may be in school maybe in your neighborhood or in a restaurant or at the grocery store. Um, maybe it's just a word of encouragement, which is prophecy. 
a blessing for someone else. Maybe it's an opportunity to ask someone, well, can I pray for you right now, right there? Maybe it's uh, meeting someone's need physically or financially or, or materially. Just this last Thursday night, I was at Walmart buying groceries late, um, and I happened to be going through the line, and there was Margie. You know, you can always tell because they have the name tag on. So, you know, communicating with someone by name means they're not just a, a mindless drone working at Walmart. She's Margie, has a family, has a life. And um, I just thought, I'm going to put this into practice because I'm telling all of you to do this. And so I'm thinking, Lord, what's the daily bread that I could give to Margie? And I just felt prompted to tell Margie, you know, you've got a really beautiful smile. And, you know, she's about 70 years old. She just lit up. And she said, you know, that's the nicest thing anybody has said to me all day. And I, I could just see her feet rise about a foot off the floor, you know. I don't share that with you to make myself a hero. I'm just saying it was just a simple word of encouragement that became daily bread for Margie. Maybe your prayer that morning is, Lord, help me be prepared for the interrupting phone call that, you know, keeps you from doing your real work. You know how we often think of interruptions as like keeping us from our job, but how often God is in the interruptions. Maybe, maybe it's going to be in the confession or the disclosure or the interruption or the, or the cry for help that you hear from someone that is in an unexpected way. Lord, give me bread to minister to them the situation that he's going to be bringing you. So ask the Holy Spirit in this section of the prayer, if you could be God's delivery man or delivery woman to take the fresh, hot bread of the kingdom and give it to someone else. That's part of the prayer and giving us our daily bread. People around us are starving for real, fresh, hot bread from heaven. And our job gets to be the delivery man, the delivery woman. A prophecy, a word of encouragement, a physical touch, a financial need. We are God's ambassadors. And so ask the Holy Spirit to move through you in ministering to others, delivering the hot bread of tomorrow today. Lord, we just thank you that uh, you're inviting us in to make petition for our, our material and physical and financial needs, as well as the bread we need to share with others. It's so simple, but so powerful. And I pray that, Lord, you would go to work at meeting the needs of, of our church family. You know what they are, but you tell us to ask anyway. And so we will. And, Lord, we want to be filled with your spirit today so that we had bread to share with others. Thank you that you tell us it's your good pleasure to bring the kingdom to us in these ways as we trust you. And we do trust you, Lord, in giving of our gifts to you in the offering. It makes no natural sense to give away money that we've worked hard to earn. But it's your kingdom way. And so I pray that you're, you'd put power and blessing on the gifts that are given today, on those that have a desire to give but can't at this moment. Bless them as well. And Lord, use these gifts to further your work. And then receive the prayers and songs that, that we're now lifting up to you as the intention of our heart to say we love you. In your name, amen.